How we going, church? Good. Who went to Shout Conference? Give us a wave. Those rest of you, I'm, I hope you, uh, you joined us online um, and uh, you had major FOMO. Uh, that was my prayer. Do you, if you don't, who knows what FOMO is? Yeah, thank you. Fear of missing out. You got to, you got to, you got to try and stay young. Uh, I got to try and connect with my kids, you know. So, so you got to learn these little acronyms, these little, these little words. So, I hope that you had FOMO um, when you saw us all having a great time in Auckland, because I want you there next year. Uh, it is just, it was so cool to be in that space with three thousand other people. Um, worshiping God just in an environment of faith. It just does something just being in that space um, with other people and the energy and the, yeah, the faith that it stirs in your own heart. And so the, the theme of the conference was move. And we are doing a series now um, from out of that called move. And we're doing that partly because that's what uh, the conference was, but also just purely because I think this is a season that we need to be moving in. We need to catch that, that, that heart that actually we as a people need to move. We're, we're called a movement. Uh, we're, we're not called a church. So uh, we are part of the Acts movement and Equippers is a part of that. And, and it's it's significant that it's called a movement and not a church. You see, over, over history, the church has kind of, uh, it's, it's moved forward and then it's become an institution and it's kind of stagnated and it's got stuck. And then something like the Reformation or something else has happened and it's moved, it's become a movement again and it's moved forward and then it kind of, over time, it's kind of got stuck. And, and you, could, you could just trace that over centuries. The thing with the church is that we have to keep moving forward. And for the church to keep moving forward, we as individuals have to keep moving forward. It's, it's no good to just go, oh, well, the church is moving forward, but then we just stayed the same. Because, because how many know the church wouldn't move forward? If we just stay the same, we are the church. Church is not Sunday gathering. We are the church. And so we need to move forward. And uh, so oh, I just really pray that over the course of this series, you catch something of the heart of God, which is to move. And we'll define what that means a bit more. Um, but today, I really just want to get us to move. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to move. You don't need to move seats. Some of you maybe need to move seats and just come a bit closer, but you don't need to physically move. But I think we've talked a bit coming out of the uh, the COVID-19 lockdown about how this is a season opportunity. It really is. And for us to take that opportunity, we need to move. We can't just wait for the opportunity to kind of land in our lap. And uh, we actually have to move towards it because the world is hungry. The world is, is searching for something. Um, I, I, was, uh, I heard from our pastor in, in the UK. Um, they were saying that usually um, about 3% of the Google, three uh, percent uh, of people searching Google uh, around churches um, normally. Over the lockdown in the UK, twenty-two percent uh, of people were searching up around church and Christianity and looking, and 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 that percentage went up to a third if you're under in the under twenty-five age group. Um, so so there's people are hungry in this season. We have the answer. But we're just going to be, we can't just sit back in our storehouse with all the, all the resources and go, oh, no, well, we're fine. We're okay. 
Now, we need to move. We need to move. We need to get into the highways and byways. We need to get into our world, and we need to bring the good news. We need to bring what God has for our world. You know, we often, we, we talk about in church circles about having a revival, and people pray for a revival. But the thing about a revival is, it actually begins with us. Every great move of God, it begins with the people getting on their knees and crying out to God for their nation, for their people, for those around them. It begins in us. For, get this, for a move of God to happen, we have to move. Let me say that again. For a move of God to happen, we need to move. Do I need to change my... Yeah, I'll try... Ali's one. Hello? That's the speaker one. Well, there we go. Okay, I'll try that one. Okay, so for, for God to move, we need to move first. Almost every great act of God begins. You can look in, in the Old Testament as well as people stepping out on faith. In the New Testament, Peter stepping out on the water, Paul moving and, and preaching the gospel. When, when, when God's people move, God responds. We we talk about praying for revival. Actually, we need to be the revival. We are the revival. I tell you what, being in, a, in the Spark Arena with 3,000 other people, you think, man, actually, this is a move of God. This is a revival. This is the people of God moving forward. And, and we, we, need to, we need to catch something of that in Tamaru. We need to catch something of that for our own lives. We can't just look and go, oh, yeah, God's moving over there. God's moving in Auckland. No, no, we need to own that. And so the passage that we're looking at, is in Exodus, uh, Exodus 14, and uh, in particular verse 15. But I'm going to broaden it out, and we're going to read through uh, the context of this. So it's Moses is leading the, the people of God out of the promised land. And uh, we'll pick it up in verse 5. I'll see if this, uh, look, look at that. Let's read. So when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with them. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots, the, the lesser ones of Egypt, with the officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites, who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Piharahoth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. It must have been an intimidating sight. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians, excuse me, you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Or one, uh, another passage uh, version says, to get moving. 
raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. My first point is to see breakthrough, we have to move. To see breakthrough, we have to move. For the Israelites to see the breakthrough that they needed in that moment, they had to what? They had to move. It's interesting. Moses says, no, no, stand, stay firm. Uh, and then God, and that's kind of half right, half right, and that they're not all just fleeing and just, you know, running away. But God actually says, no, 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 what are you doing just standing there complaining? Get moving. Get moving. I think it's really interesting that the Israelites, it says there, they were marching out boldly. They were marching out boldly. But something happened. We need to move, and we need to move first. James 4 verse 8 says, Come near to God, and God will come near to you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Who moves first in that scenario? We do. We take a step towards God, and He takes a step towards us. He's just waiting for us to move. For the, for the people of Israel... They just needed to, to start moving. They were marching out boldly, but then something happened. And that, isn't that just so, so often true in our lives? Like, it's not like we're, we're, we've always been stagnant. It's not like we've never moved. We have moved before. God has moved your heart and you've taken steps of faith. You've grown. You've changed, hopefully, that you've been moving continually. But sometimes we get stuck, just like the Israelites. Sometimes... We stop moving. And I just want to delve into that for a bit about what are some of the reasons that we stop moving? What are some of the reasons that we just stop moving forward? And God, I know I've thought up seven, seven things, seven reasons that, that we sometimes stop moving forward in the ways that God wants us to move. So the first reason, if you're taking notes, the first reason is reason, Okay. It's, it's, it's reason. It's our reason, our understanding, our thinking process. You see, we live in a culture that elevates science and, and reason. And, and I'm for, all for science and understanding and reason. Like, I, I, I still practice as a physio. I, I, I did a degree at university. And I'm, I, I, like, I like learning, and I think we should use our brains. So don't hear what I'm not saying, that we should just not forget um, everything that we learn. But our science and reason should never be put over God. Science and reason and understanding can help serve God and, and help us walk out His ways. But we should never elevate it, which is what the world has done, elevate it above God. 
I love, one of my favorite passages is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I haven't got it on the screen, but I'll read it to you. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. The key in there is to not lean on our own understanding. And that's often what we do, right? God tells us to move, and we're like, oh, but this doesn't make sense. Like, I've read books, I've, or I've been in this experience, or, or, or people have told me, and I, and I can't, this, this is dumb. You know, God says, give that money away. And you're like, well, I can't really afford to. Or God says, go to this place. And you're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know. Why would I go there? Or whatever it is, often our reasoning gets in the way. So often we've just actually got to remove that and go, okay, no, you know what? God's told me. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it anyway. Just think of Peter. He's been fishing all night. He's caught nothing. And Jesus is standing on the shore. And as he comes, Peter brings his boat in. Jesus says, just throw your net over the other side. And Peter's like, come on. Jesus, I'm a fisherman. You're a rabbi. Like, I respect you and all that. But, you know, I know fishing. I've been out all night. Just because I chuck it on the other side of the boat, it's not going to make any difference. You know, the fish aren't all, you know. His reason is going, no, this is a dumb idea. But instead he's like, okay, I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. So I'll do what you call me to do. Sometimes we just have to go, this doesn't make any sense, but I trust you, Jesus. I'll do this crazy thing. And the story goes, as you know, that, that, that Peter just, brings in a massive catch. The nets are almost breaking because of the fish that are in them. Sometimes we just need to just put aside our reason. So that's the first, the first thing that can stop us from moving forward, reason. Secondly, emotion. Our emotion. Uh, what I mean by that is often it's, and the emotion in particular I'm talking about is fear. Is our fear of, often of the past repeating itself, or a fear because of previous experiences we've had. Um, there's, a, there's a thing called the uh, amygdala, amygdala hijack. So uh, uh, those of you who are neuroanatomists will know the amygdala is part of um, your limbic system. It's basically the part of your brain that controls your emotions. All right? And what happens is that we think we are reasoning, um, um, not, you know, we make decisions based solely on reason. But the fact of the matter is that our emotions have a, have a lot larger impact on our decision-making process than we give them credence for. And so what happens is that um, someone tells you to, you know, God, God says, you know, I think you should do this. And rather than just either reasoning it out or just trusting God, we have a response because we've done something like that in the past and it really didn't work out. And so so we have this emotive like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. And we just, we, we rule it out based on fear, based on uh, anxiety, based on previous uh, hurt or, or emotion. And, and basically, it's just part of our brain just triggering us to turn away from that option. What we need to do is, is allow God into those spaces, to allow God and, you know, the, the amazing passage in Romans 12 too. Uh, that talks about how we're to be renewed. Uh, our mind is to be renewed by God. And, and I think too often we, we, we just go into that fight or flight mode and we're just like, no, I can't do that, God. And we actually just need to stop and just pray 
and allow God to give us some truth around it. So, so that's the second thing that can stop us, is it just our fear or our emotions. Thirdly, our desire for control. I may have mentioned this a little bit before, but often it's, it depends on your personality type, but often we like to control things, right? We like to have order. We like to know the next step. We like to know what is going on. Um, and, and we like to stay in control. So the Israelites, if we go back to them, they're standing on the shore and they're, they're feeling out of control. They don't have control of the situation. There's an army coming towards them and, and Moses is standing there and they, they don't feel like they have any control of the situation. And that freaks them out. And that paralyzes them actually. And it gets them complaining as well. Here's the thing. If you try to stay in control of your life, God will never fully be your Lord. If you try and stay in control of your life, you'll never let God fully be your Lord. You know, we pray a sinner's prayer. We say, God, be my Lord and Savior. But having, having God as our Lord means we give Him control. We give Him control. All you control freaks out there, you give Him control. It means when He tells you to do something, you don't control it. You do what He says. And that's hard. How many, how many out there say, that's hard. Yeah, I, it is. But that's often what causes us to not move. We don't move because we want to keep things in control. But we, we undermine the plans of God in our life by just trying to keep things under control. Jesus says, if you, if, you wanna, um, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. If you, if you give over control to me, I will give you the fullness of life that I, I desire for you. So we need to relinquish our desire for control if we're to move. Number four, you staying with me, church? You good? Okay, who's been convicted? Uh, number four is our lack of true perspective. Our lack of true perspective can cause us to not move. The Israelites, they took their eyes off God, right? They were like, ah, look at this army. And in the Middle East, there was like 600 chariots coming, charging towards them. That would be intimidating. Uh, but they lacked God's perspective on it. Um, I love that this passage in John 3, 31 says, the one who comes from, so this is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He says, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. Jesus is the one who comes from heaven. He is above all and he sees from above. He has a perspective that looks down and, and can see how it all plays out. And too often we're caught up in the moment and we're like, I can't see how this is going to help. I can't see how moving in this direction God is, is going to serve me or anybody else. I can't see that. And we just need to remove ourselves for a moment and get God's perspective and realize actually, no, no, in the big scheme of things, He knows what He's doing. So lack of true perspective can often cause us to stop moving. Number five, I would say, is the lies that we believe. We often just believe the wrong things. And the enemy, he's, he's the master of lies. He's, he's, he's called the father of lies. And he's always trying to sneak in things that just aren't true. For the, for the Israelites here, they, they somehow believed the lie that it was better for them to be back in Egypt. Like they were slaves in Egypt. 
they were they were under the thumb. They were they were they were having their firstborn children killed. Like things were terrible for them. And yet here they are going, Oh, it would have been better. Like that's a lie that they've believed in a moment where they've just been blinded. Too often we 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 just believe lies and I don't know what the, the lies that you are believing uh, at the moment, but there will be some. None of us have got it all worked out. Often the lies are from our culture. There are, there are lies in New Zealand culture. There are lies in South African culture. There are lies in whatever culture you come from because it's not the kingdom of heaven culture that we're aspiring towards. So, so we, we need to realize actually there are lies that we're believing. I, I, I mentioned it before. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, we talk about, you know, oh, we give our heart to God, but often it's our brain <laughs> that holds us back. It's our thoughts, it's the lies that we're believing that need to be transformed so that we can follow the call of God that's on our heart. There's often a, a tension there. We need to allow God into that space to, to be transformed by His truth. The, the Word of God actually stands above our circumstance. It doesn't always feel like it, but that there is a higher truth than what you see in front of you. For the Israelites, there was a higher truth that God was going to make a way for them. That they just couldn't see because their eyes were stuck on their circumstance. Their eyes were looking at the, Israel, uh, the uh, Egyptians charging towards them. So number five, the lies we believe. Number six, the company we keep. The company we keep often prevent us from moving forward. You see, the Israelites hung out with one another. Moses hung out with God. The Israelites hung out with one another. Moses hung out with God. Moses had a higher perspective. Moses had uh, just a, a different way of understanding things because he was with God. We need to hang out with God, but we also need to hang out with those who are heading in the same direction, those who also understand God. That's not to say you never, you never associate with people outside of church. That's not true. But the people who are speaking into your life, the people who are encouraging you, who are, who are shaping what direction your life goes in, they need to be people who are also heading in the same direction, who are following God themselves. You see, for the Israelites, they started just talking to one another and they got in a, a mess and they got paralyzed and they got stuck because they were just feeding off each other. The world at the moment around us is feeding off each other in fear and, and oh, economic downturn and all this stuff and, and, and the culture around us is just feeding off itself. And we need to just kind of remove ourselves from that for a second and go, no, no. No, no, let's connect with God. Let's connect with other believers. And let's have that shape where we go, how we move. So the company we keep, and the last one, uh, the last reason we don't move is laziness. Ah, uh, yeah, all you people sitting here, is he going to say it? Yes. Because here's the thing. It's easier to complain than it is to move forward. Ah, it's easier to complain than it is to move forward. It is, and it's easier. You can see it in the, in the Israelites. They just start whinging. They just start moaning uh, to one another. So often, 
you know, God is telling us to do something. But it's easier for us to look at this person and go, you need to fix that. God is convicting us about something and we're going, oh, but what about them? Because they're part of the issue. You know, no, 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 no. It's far easier for you to point the finger at your spouse or your workmate or your other person in the church or whoever it is and go, oh, no, they need to change than for us to change ourselves. Because what that does is it just shifts responsibility. And we love to shift responsibility away from ourselves. And God says, no, 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 no. You need to move. You need to move. You need to change. Okay, so we've dealt with all our issues, right? Those are the seven. I'm sure there's more. There's multiple reasons why we don't move. And you will know some of them for yourself. But those are some of them. To, to see breakthrough, we have to move and we have to deal with some of these things. But how do we do it? How do we move forward? I just want to be clear that we're not just moving for movement's sake. If you are lost in the bush, the best thing you can do is to stay where you are. Light a fire, you know, keep warm, create some smoke and wait. So uh, that's actually the best movement that you can do. It's, it's stupid to just wander around because you're probably just wandering around and around in circles and, and get tired and, and more lost. So I'm not saying just move wherever, just God, Dave said move. So I'm just going to, I'm shifting to Timbuktu, well, you can't at the moment. Um, but don't just move for movement's sake. It has to be purposeful movement. But how do we move? Well, Moses gives us a bit of a, uh, an insight into this. You look at what Moses did, and, and I'd say how we move. Firstly, we move with what's in our hand and with God in our heart. We move with what's in our hand and with God in our heart. So what did Moses have in his hand? He had a staff. He had a stick. It was a pretty special stick, actually, because with, with the staff, he threw it to the ground, and it turned into a snake back in Egypt, and then he picked it up by the tail and it turned back into a, a staff. That's pretty cool. Man, if I had a stick like that, I would be carrying that around with me. That'd be, I'd be like, have you seen my cool stick? I mean, probably didn't do it just on, for, you know, party tricks, just whenever he liked, but there was something in his hand. There is something in your hand. Okay, I've got a point. I've put it down. There's something in your hand that you have that God can use. You might think, oh, I don't have the gift that that person has. Oh, I'm not as talented as them. I don't have that. If I had that, then I could do this. No, no, no. God has given you something in your hands. He's given you skills. He's given you abilities. He's given you relationships. He's given you stuff that you can use. And God is simply saying, use what's in your hand. Use what's in your hand right now to reach the world around you. Use what's in your hand to move forward. Maybe it's the workplace that you're in. Maybe actually that's what's in your hand. You're in this space. You have this relationship with these people. Or maybe it's a skill set that you have that not many other people have. Or maybe it's relationships in your family. That's what's in your hand. And God is calling you to move with that. So we move with what's in our hand. And we move with God in our heart. 
See, Moses had this direct line of communication with God. It's incredible, but actually we have it now too. We have God in our lives by the Holy Spirit. And I think every move that we take needs to begin on our knees. It needs to begin with us going, okay, God, what is it you're calling me to do? Where are you calling me to go? What are you calling me to do? That's guided by the, the Word of God. It's, but it can also be guided by environments of faith. Like I love Sam's testimony because it, it, it was in a couple of environments of faith where she heard, well, okay, this is the move. This is what you're calling me to do, to work with young people, to, to see their lives change. It's in those, when we put ourselves in those spaces that God will talk to us. Possibly just being at church here today, God is speaking to you. You're in an environment of faith and God is saying, okay, I want you to move. I want you to do something in this space. You know, prophecy is another way we can, we can uh, hear where we're to move. But often, actually, I think having a, having a prophecy is more a confirmation of what God has done rather than, than actually telling you what to do. Often, I think um, we can rely a bit too much on external sources. Now, God wants to speak to your heart, and often He'll, he'll confirm it externally, but Actually, God can speak. And you think, oh, I just don't hear God. You do hear from God. God does speak to you. We were, we were talking last night. We had a family devotion last night. And Tessa um, was saying, you know, we were saying, what, what, do, what did God say to each of you over, over shout? And she was like, oh, God didn't say anything. He didn't speak at all. So, oh, okay. And then we started talking. And, we real, and she realized, oh, no, actually, there was just these, you know, uh, there were things. But often we, we, we don't realize it until we actually stop and reflect and go, oh, she, yeah, you have been talking to me, God. I just haven't been listening. <laughs> so, so we move with what's in our hand and with God in our heart. We, it's always got to start. It's got to flow out of our love relationship with Him. On that note, can I say that the timing is not so important. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, it's, it's not the right season, not the right timing. But actually, Acts 1, and I'm reading from the message version, says this. When they were together for the last time, this is the early church, um, and they were talking to Jesus, and they, and they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? And he told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. So timing is God's business. What we need to do is just get the Holy Spirit. We just need to be like, okay, God, I need you to guide me, and I'll trust you with the timing. Don't try and work it out and just, just okay, God, if you fill me with enough of you, then the timing will kind of take care of itself. If I just seek you and seek your face and seek your spirit to be moving in me, then, then you'll take care of the timing. So that's the first thing with what's in our hand and with God in our heart. Number two, I would say, how do we move? We move by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1, pretty famous scripture says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. God works by faith. We have 
a faith by faith. And he tells us to do things by faith. And the thing about faith is you're not going to know exactly what's going to happen. He's not going to lay it all out for you in a 10-step plan from A to whatever. He's going to just tell you to take a step of faith. So the move that God is calling you to is just, it's like a risk. It's a step that you don't understand. It's a step that you are not sure of, but you just know that God's told you to do it. Hebrews 11 is, it's an amazing chapter. Go and read it in your own time. But there's just example after example after example of Old Testament people who had just, just took a step of faith. They moved towards God. And it goes through them all, Noah and um, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Gideon. and they, they all took a step of faith and God met them in that. Remember, we move and then God moves. We move and then God moves. It's, how, it's, it's God's modus operandi since the beginning. We move and then God moves. So we need to just basically move. We need to take a step of faith. We need to go, okay, I'm putting aside all those excuses, the reason, the emotion, the, the, the fear, the, uh, the laziness, all that stuff, and I'm just going to move. I'm going to move. And you see, when we move, God moves. If you look at that story of the Israelites, it's interesting. When they start moving, what happens with the cloud? The cloud that's always been in front of them. It's always been, it's been like a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, and it's guided them across the desert. And when they move to cross the Red Sea, it, it says, the Bible says it moves behind them. So when, when they move, God moves on their behalf. They might have been going, what? What's it doing? It's behind us now. But it says that it was darkness on one side and light on the other. <laughs> That's a great image. God is just like confusing the enemy, plunging them into darkness and giving light to you and to your path. How good is that? So when we move, when we take a step of faith, He lights up the path for us and the, and the confusing things are plunged into darkness. That's an amazing image. But it took them, first of all, to move, to step out. I love uh, Pastor Helen. She just said it in, in, um, in passing, but I thought, man, that's so wise. She said, when God says something, don't say how and then no. Say yes, and then how? You should write that down. When, God, when, when you feel God's prompting you to move to do something, don't say how, and then re, try and reason it out, and eventually say um, no. <laughs> say yes. Just say yes to God. Say yes, and then God will give you the how. Then God will, will, will show you how. I think too often we come to God with a bit of a hesitant, uh, if you show me, God, then I'll do it. Rather than coming to him with a, no, a yes, spirit. Saying, yeah, okay, I trust you because I trust your character. So we take a step by faith. And thirdly and lastly, and can I have keys come up? We, we move with others. We move with others. We're never called to just move in isolation. We're never called to just move by ourselves. We're called to move with others. That's why I love being part of a Quipper's movement because I, I just know that I'm not doing it alone. We had Shout 
uh, two weeks ago, but then just this last week, Mayor and I got the privilege just to hang out with all the Equipus pastors for a couple of days in Taupo. And it was great because I felt like, oh, I'm not alone. Leadership is a lonely place. And, and when you're in little Timaru, you, sometimes you feel like I'm just but talking to, to, to pastors from up and down our country and when the borders are open from around the world. It's just so encouraging to know that we're actually, we're in a slipstream of, of other people who are going in the same direction. You know, I've got to get a cycling analogy in here somehow. But, <laughs> but I tell you what, you, you use a third less work when you're in a, in a peloton or a bunch, a cycle bunch, than if you're cycling by yourself. Yeah, 30% less work that you do if you're in a, in a bunch. If you're moving with other people around you, going in the same direction, you're going to go faster. You're going to go further. You're going you're gonna to achieve what God has for you in, in, in such a, an amazing way. I, so I, I told you a few weeks ago that I won a race. It was cool. Um, about three weeks ago. The key, the key to that is like, I did that race last year and I came fourth. So the difference between this year and last year, yeah, maybe I, oh, I was probably trained a similar amount. But the difference was I stayed in the bunch for longer <laughs> this year. I didn't show my nose to the front. I didn't do as much work until the last sprint. See, last year I went too early. I got off by myself and then I had to work a whole lot harder and I blew up. And uh, I got passed by three other people. Uh, the thing is, if you try and do it by yourself, you'll blow up. You won't make it. You'll, you'll, you'll burn out. It'll be too hard. We're designed for community. We're designed to move forward together. You want some scriptures to back that up? Um, just not, not just on cycling analogies. Uh, Acts 4. 32 says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. The early church exploded because the people were together. They were one with heart and mind. Um, oh, I thought I had another one up there. Uh, Matthew 18, 19 also talks about how, you know, we're two or three gathered and then we're, um, we're two or three agree together. That is there. Again, truly I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. There is power in our agreement. There's power in doing things together. So we need to move with others. And can I say, they need to be moving in the same direction. Like it's no point, uh, you, you're in a bunch, but they're all just going everywhere. Like cycling, they're just, driving, they're just riding over the, over the fields in an opposite direction. That's not helpful. <laughs> We need to all be going in the same direction. But I think we've just got to move. I think we've just got to move. If you think about, you would have heard this analogy probably, steering a ship. If a ship's in harbor, you can't turn it. It's got to start moving before it can be steered. You might be sitting there going, oh, I don't know where to to go. I don't know where God wants me to move. You just got to move. If you start moving in the direction of God, He will guide you. But until you start moving, He can't. 
because you're stuck in one place. Actually, momentum is your friends. If you think, going back to cycling again, if you think about learning, learning how to ride a bike, you get on a bike and you just stay still, you're just gonna fall off, okay? But if you get it moving, you push the pedals around a little bit, you get a bit of momentum, actually that helps you to balance. It helps you to go in a certain direction. It helps you to stay upright. We just need to get moving. We need to stop being stationary. And, and, and I know that there'll be, you'll, you'll be, some of you will be moving already. That's good. I'm not saying you're all just stuck. But I think there's never, there's never a point that we've made it and we stop moving. Well, there should never be in our Christian walk. A time we think, ah, oh, I'm not moving forward anymore because I've got there. <laughs> None of you have got there. <laughs> Wherever there is, we all need to move. So what we're going to do is we're going to take some time. I want you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to move this back because I want you to physically move. In a moment, we're going to open up this area and I want you to come down the front. And you go, why would I, why would I come down the front? What, what, what's the point in doing that? Basically because I've been talking about moving for the last half an hour. And I think there is power when we actually do something physically, right? Oftentimes you go, oh no, I'm, I'm moving in my heart. But there's something that breaks open when we actually move our bodies, it's the same when we're praising God. You actually raise your hands, you get into it. There's something that shifts on the inside. And I think for us today, we need to actually physically take a step. We need to move. Maybe you've never been down the front in an altar call. That's okay. Today can be your day. Maybe you're like, I don't know what I'm moving for. I just just because that's okay as well. You don't have to know, remember? You need to remove your, your reason and just go, okay, God, I want to move. I want to get closer. Remember, when we draw close to God, He draws close to us. Just, just see it as that, that I'm moving close to God. It's not that God is any more present down the front than He is up the back, but it's a, a state of heart. And we're saying, I'm, I'm moving because I want more of you. I'm moving because I want to see you move in my life. And it could be in any area. You could see, want to see a move in your finance. You could want to see a move in your family. You could want to see a move in your workplace. You could want to see, see a move in your, in your emotions, in your thinking, in your whatever it is. But let's move. So right now, I know, and I don't care if we have the whole church down the front. That's cool because I think that it says something about the state of our heart. But right now, if you, if you feel, yeah, I need to move, come forward. Move right now. Let's do it. And while we're doing that, we're gonna. Yep. Well, Ali's gonna lead us in a song, just a chorus, while we while you while you coming down, and then we'll then we'll do some praying together.
That's right, you can come onto the wooden bit. It's okay. <laughs> come on, let's just lift our hands. Let's honor him in this place. Just in this moment, I'm going to pray. But then what we're going to do is we're going to pray for one another. Okay? And maybe you want to share what you've moved for or what you believe God is calling you to move in. But we're going to, we're going to pray for one another in that. So, Father, I thank you that. Oh, man, I thank you that we are a people who, who are moved by you. I thank you that we're a people who desire you and want to walk in your ways. And we, we see that the season that we're in is a season to move. It's a season to draw close to you and it's a season to reach out to the world around us. And so God, I pray that you see our hearts in this this morning. I pray that you, you respond as we respond to you. We have said we are moving towards you, God. May you move towards us in every area that we're crying out for breakthrough in. Just as the Israelites were crying out for breakthrough, Lord, we thank you that as we move, you move. As we have taken this step of faith, you are going to meet us in this space. In Jesus' name, amen. So just, I want you to pray with someone, maybe someone you don't know, could be just someone who's standing next to you. But let's just agree together. Let's pray for the move that we're making in this space. Is that good? Awesome, let's pray.